confusion with the 104 Street Market location. This week, Council's on break, so we're rejoined by a true friend of the podcast to talk about the City Market's former, or current, downtown location. We'll dive into Taproot's reporting on the will-they-won't-they relationship with 104th Street. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Matt. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally. We're at the big 4-0, and oh boy, are we not ever the only one at the big 4-0. What good timing. It's like we planned it. Edmonton Mayor Don Iveson turned 40 today and has received messages of encouragement and advice from mayors across Canada in a Twitter thread posted by the mayor's office. Despite the best advice received, however, sources close to the mayor have revealed that he's going through a midlife crisis and is about to make large, unnecessary purchases not useful for his current place in his life. Among the purchases are a gondola over the River Valley, turning Twilliger Drive into an expressway, and new library of traffic signs to install and take down all over the city weekly. Having not been selected as the ideal choice in the Edmonton project, Edmonton is now going to get two Nordic spas, with private companies Group Nordic and Edmonton Nordic Spa both announcing their intention to open an Arctic spa within Edmonton in 2020 and 2021. However, it will only feel like one spa has opened up as the newly arthritic Don Iveson has announced his intention to book out one for a full year to soothe his achy aging muscles. This week, a smoky haze descended upon Edmonton, causing coughing, headaches, and asthma flare-ups. While many attributed the smoky air to fumes blowing in from high level, the cause is actually just all of Iveson's youthful hopes and dreams going up in smoke. Happy birthday, Mr. Mayor. (laughs) We love you at Speaking Municipally. Speaking Municipally is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. And as we mentioned last time, it's survey season. The network is running a listener survey until June 17th. You can head over to albertapodcastnetwork.com slash survey to fill it out, and you'll be entered to win one of three $100 cash prizes. Plus, you'll be helping the network better serve podcasters and listeners across the province. We'd also like to tell you about Alberta Blue Cross, who's hosting the Wellness Summit on October 10th. It's going to be a day to explore fresh perspectives and practices around wellness. This year, the focus is on what it takes to create a healthy workplace culture where everyone thrives. Speakers include Drew Dudley, whose TEDx talk on everyday leadership has been viewed millions of times, and Mandy Trapp, founder and lead educator of Lifestyle Meditation. The summit is at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel on October 10th. You can learn more at thewellnesssummit.ca. Today, it's not just you and me, Mac. We are joined by a frequent friend of the podcast, I think, at this point. Welcome back. Frequent, I guess two makes frequent. Sure. It'll be like SNL where you could just count the number of times you've hosted. Nice. Right? Okay. We're cool. bad hosts. Her name's Mel Priestley. <laughs> that is my name. So Mel, you did more reporting on the Taproot 104 Street Market Location story. And we figured why not devote an entire episode to really digging into the meat of this location. I've been told that both of you have strong opinions on it and I'll be playing referee. <laughs> uh, but so to get us started, Mac, what happened this week and the past week and the week before that and through this entire market segment that has led us to today? It's very bizarre. Uh, so we uh, published a story back in March that, that Mel wrote all about the market's move to the GWG building in the quarter. So essentially, they'd been looking for this permanent location. They really bungled the PR around the announcement, but they did finally find a new home. And the market at that time was still in City Hall. When it came time for it to move outside in May, they moved. The building wasn't ready yet, so the first market was out on the street outside the GWG building. Uh, I went. It looked busy. It looked very active and thriving. It it looked like the market, just not on 104th Street. 
And, you know, some people complained about the location and, you know, there was some back and forth about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. But on the whole, people seemed fine to move over there. And then last week, we learned that they wouldn't be staying there and that the market would actually be moving back to 104th Street some of the time. But only on Saturdays and only if there isn't any construction on 104th Street or something. So taking us back, right, in March when we discovered that this was going to happen, we found out through Mel's reporting that the reason that they were moving away from 104th Street was the city had revoked their license to be on the street, ostensibly because there was going to be construction um, with the towers and LRT and other things, and it was going to be too disruptive. And the market itself had already felt like the Fox Tower construction was very disruptive. They had to move their site around a bunch of times. There was no um, easy way for cars uh, to unload and stuff on the street. And so they were you know, already thinking about a permanent location. They've been thinking about a permanent location for more than a decade. Um, and they, and, and so that was sort of the trigger for them to go and find this new building. And so now the city is saying, well, actually the construction is not going to happen quite as fast as we thought it might. So there isn't going to be this challenge of construction while you're on the street. So we're going to open it back up for the market to be here on Saturdays and the market said, oh, wow, we need to help 104th Street, which you need to ask me about because I'm very annoyed by that comment. Uh, And they're like, we'll be back on Saturdays and we'll do the new location on Sundays. And they're still planning to open the indoor building sometime later this year. And and then at that point, do they do both locations on Saturday or just one? It's It's very confusing. So you've opened a lot. I think before we really dig into the meat of it, we have to address, when we're talking about the market, there's some accusations that Mac is bias McBias face. Why should we listen to what you're saying? And what do we got to keep in mind when we're tempering your opinions? Yeah, I thought it was important to get this out. So I, first and foremost, live on 104th Street, and I have for about 10 years. So when I talk about this issue, it's not in the abstract. It's my home, literally. Uh, so you got to keep that in mind when you listen to my opinions. Um, I have been a member of the Downtown Farmers Market Association back when they allowed people to buy memberships and, and be a member of the association that doesn't happen anymore. I've got no involvement or connection with them now. Um, But I also have been a member of the 104th Street uh, Steering Committee, which is responsible for, you know, activation of of 104th Street. It's a collaboration between businesses and residents. And uh, I've been part of that group and received some updates from, from that group. So just to get that out of the way, those are my connections to the story. Mel, you have no current connections, but you previously worked on the street, right? I, I, um, I technically work at the Standard Life Center, which is sort of like just south of Jasper Ave beside 104th Street. I used to work at Divine Wines and Spirits like many years ago right. and then was away for a while and then worked in the building that is um, was the Sobeys and is now Tiffin and hopefully other restaurants soon. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I have no no connection with the market itself, though, or, or with anything like that. So Myself, I don't live downtown, nor do I cross the river because I'm on the better side anyway. So <laughs> do you go to the market downtown? I go to the Strathcona Farmer's Market, Mac. Let's get started. Am I off side saying it's a collection of buffoons? That's what it looks like from the outside. What What's going on here and why has this become such a catastrophe? Well, Mel and I were just talking about this and we think that you know, to me, the market is an institution, right? It's been around since 1900 and it's right now going through a bunch of self-inflicted pain. Yeah, they kind of brought this on themselves. So I don't really have a lot of sympathy for what they're going 
through. That is the market itself. I have a lot of sympathy for their vendors because their vendors are kind of getting literally dragged from one spot to another in this situation. The vendors um, in this most recent announcement, I think most of them found out through our story or through social media sharing the story or the story that the journal posted afterwards as well, which is a really bad way to find out that your home is now not your home. And where are you going to open up your tent on Saturday, which is in like two days? There were vendors replying to Elise's story on Twitter saying, check your facts. Like, how come you didn't do any fact checking? And it's like the consultant for the market, Dan Young, is quoted in the story, right? And he used to be a vendor at the market. He used to be on the board of the market. He's since been hired just as a as a consultant for the market. And so that's his role. But I guess when we say the market too, we should just very quickly clarify that this market board is in theory at least made up of vendors and uh, businesses from 104th Street and community members. And there's you know, these consultants are these staff people that work for the for the board. And then there are other vendors who aren't on the board who are are just vendors of the market. So, you know, when we refer to the market, we're kind of talking about everybody. But when we're talking about the decisions that have been made, I suppose we're really meaning the market leadership. So what's the governance structure of the market look like? It's it's a board. Does the board have full power to make any decisions about the fate of the market? Or is there any consultation with vendors required? Is there any sort of voting process? Excellent question and one that I am posing to the market and I'm still waiting to hear back on um, because I think that's unclear. And so I am working on a follow up story to this for Taproot, which will be coming out soon. Um, And I'm reaching out to a lot of markets in town for that, not just the city market um, to find out how, how these things run. And I'm finding out that a lot of them run differently. Some of them have boards. So um, like this one where it's vendors and community reps and things like that. Some of them don't have boards. Some of them just kind of have a couple leaders and that's it. So it really depends. And as for the city market itself, I'm not quite sure. I mean, they have a board posted on their website, although I did notice that their website was down um, yesterday because I think that they're uh, updating it, which is good because there's been so many updates. Um, But I don't know if that's still accurate then. I mean, we know that in effect, there are a small handful of people that make all of the decisions for the downtown market, and they do it without any consultation. We've both of us talked to many vendors who had no idea that this was happening. We've seen on social media vendors posting on the the city market's Instagram, asking them where they're supposed to be on Saturday because they have no idea where where they're supposed to be. So I think it's probably even worse than no consultation. It's no communication. The vendors don't have any idea what's going on. Right. Yeah. So there's a small handful of people that actually are calling the shots and making the decisions. And to me, at least, it's not surprising. Uh, I wrote a post about this back in 2012 when they had this big effort to kick off all the community members and and try to kind of really harness their power on the board and, and make it so that they could fully decide what to do without any representation from outside the market. And so it's kind of it's been building. Yeah. On one hand, you can't have input from everyone. Yeah. Um, that's maybe not democratic, but I mean, how many vendors do they have? Almost a hundred. So you can't have everyone's opinion and, and include it because you just like, you know, you'll never go anywhere. You'll never make any decisions. Jason Kenny would disagree and we should govern by debt <laughs> referendum, but I digress. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, so you do need a leadership team who's going to make the call, but, uh, but communication, I mean, yeah, you should be telling your vendors what's happening before you tell anybody else. So, yeah they're the lifeblood they're literally the market that's why everyone comes so and it used to be that it was vendors right they got elected to the board by their peers to make these decisions as you're saying and do that communication work and that doesn't seem to be the case anymore so take me sort of inside how this decision was made if we understand anything at all because at some point 
there has to be a decision process. Why are they selecting this new location? What's what's the thought of the board in making this decision if they're so willing to like revert it a couple weeks later? I think they want to have their cake and eat it too, to use a food pun. Um, I think that they, they want it to be a multi-day indoor market. Um, because that's where the market landscape is trending. Um, Calgary has six or seven multi-day indoor markets now. Uh, we are just getting one with the city market and two with Bountiful, which is going to open up in um, just under a month now. Um, so that's the way things are going. And, and as Max said, the city market has wanted to move to an indoor spot for over a decade. Um, so then when they found this spot, they, the city kind of forced their hand by by terminating their uh, occupancy on 104th Street. So they, they found this new building and they're going to move on and it was going to be a new chapter. But they didn't want to leave 104th Street. And I think, number one, it's because they were successful there. They were very successful. Um, 104th Street and the market, they're kind of synonymous with each other. Um, it was really one of the major things that built up that neighborhood, I think. Um, and they didn't want to leave it. And then a lot of people expressed a lot of sadness when the news first came out in March that they were leaving that, you know, you know, that sucks and, and we don't want to lose our market. Then with them deciding to come back to it, it kind of seemed like, well, you had already made this decision and now you're, you're just trying to like have the best of both worlds. And I think what's going to happen is, is it kind of waters down each one. Right. And as Max said, like when the new indoor building does open, which vendors are going to be there? Which ones are going to be at the 104th Street Market? Like, are they going to try to run ostensibly three markets? Because they've got the one on 104th Street. They've got the one outside the new building on 103rd Avenue. And then they've got the one inside when that opens. So that seems like you're really kind of watering things down. And vendors had already hedged, right? Like they're, they when they went to the GWD building outside, they decided they'd do Saturday and Sunday as a step toward their eventual goal of being a multi-day market. But some vendors aren't there on Sunday. You know, they didn't know that the crowds would come and they didn't want to commit to that yet. And it's different maybe if it's indoors and you don't have to do that setup and tear down every week, right? You could maybe make it an easier commitment to do. But so the vendors are already hedging about where they wanted to participate, right? I saw a pretty depressing image on Twitter of just the downtown market. And like, I've been on 104th Street and it's like, it's full. There's vendors everywhere. It was pretty like, it was small. Uh, there was definitely a lot less vendors there. Part of that could be vendors actually didn't know to show up. But another part is exactly what you're talking about this. Vendors have to be choosy because if they can only show up for one weekend day, which do they show up? It leads to a watering down and dilution. Mel and you, mentioned. And you got to be committed, right? That's part of the thing that's crazy about the decision. Like there were, we, we had a food event for the food council on Saturday. And so we were inside city hall and there was a bunch of people that came to city hall and were like, where's the market? Because for the last however five years or whatever, they've been inside city hall for the winter. That's where people expected it. Now they've got a new location. You know, this confusion about location doesn't build up that awareness that people need. Um, the thing that's uncertain about this move, in my mind, and, and we've not really been able to figure this out yet, is what role the city played exactly. So in 2011, when the market was looking very, very seriously at moving into the Mercer Warehouse building before Startup Edmonton and everything else, that was led by the market. And vendors would have had to put in a bunch of their own money to make that a reality. And they ultimately voted not to go ahead with that. And so the search for a permanent location continued. Um, but we do know that the city is the ones that have leased the GWG building. And they've subleased it to the city market for a dollar a year. The same deal that the old Strathcona Farmers Market gets in their building. Um, and it seems like there's two factions to me. There's one that is keen to have the market over in the quarters for that catalyst role that it might play for that area that's undergoing revitalization. 
And then there's another group that seems keen to have it on 104th Street. And I'm not really sure the details there and, and what role the city played beyond, you know, leasing the building. But clearly they were more actively involved in in finding the market a home than they have been in the past. Yeah, there was a decision maker and I don't know who that was. I've, I've asked and they assured me that they're looking into it. So I'm waiting to hear back from admin as to who made that decision and why. Because um, there was another group that was looking at coming into 104th Street. So I think the other thing with this whole issue is that it's a pretty political move. Um, I think one of the major reasons, if not the major reason, why the city market decided to go back to 104th Street is to block anyone else from coming in there. So there was another group uh, led by Kirsta Frankie, who runs the 124th Street Grand Market um, on 124th Street, obviously, uh, in the summer months and not on a Saturday. It's, that's a Thursday market. Um, she was leading a group of vendors to start up something else in, in the absence of the city market on 104th Street. And um, from her accounting, it sounds like she was almost ready to sign sign something with the city, like they thought it was going to go ahead. She was, in, she was engaged by the 4th Street Committee, right? She the was, yeah. Committee. Like mm -hmm. their job is to activate the street. Yeah. So they were totally within their rights to go and find someone to do that mm -hmm. with the yeah. city market. Not and they there. thought they found it and they were just waiting for approval. And then all of a sudden, nope, the city market's coming back. And so it, what it sounds like is that the the city whoever that was or whatever team that was had a prior relationship with the with the downtown market and gave them first dibs because of their long-term uh, relationship and it's I, I'll leave it up to the listeners to see whether that's fair or not some people may say yes some people may say no um, but that's what happened so they gave them you know first dibs they probably said you know we have someone else who's going to come in here and I think the the city market I think kind of panicked and went no no 104 streets ours like that's just kind of the impression I get is like no, no one else can have it like this is our street and they would have known because some of the vendors were the same right they're vendors that would have been in the new market would have been also uh, vendors from city market so you know they probably felt the heat as a competitive thing we should say that on the record we interviewed Dan about this you did I did you yeah. asked him about this mm -hmm. what did he say uh yeah it was kind of a kind of a bit of a non-answer he basically said well we see ourselves as the downtown market but he did say competition was good I did ask him then if he thought that meant that there should be no other downtown market. And he, 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 there was a very long pause. And then he said, <laughs> um, no, that will sort itself out in time, basically. So he kind of just talked around the fact that, you know, he acknowledges there's competition. Um, of course, they don't like competition. I mean, I guess who likes competition, right? But yeah, so uh, yeah. It sounds like there's a process by which there's some political maneuvering within the city. This reminds me of something we've talked about, uh, gotta say 35, 38 episodes ago, with the city making decisions that council didn't enjoy. I'm thinking back to like plaques on benches mm. or the Horlack Park uh, storage facility where city admin was, you know, doing its thing. It was leading the bus. And then things got so heated and there was so much litigating through the media right. that council had to step up and say, we need to put a stop to this. We need to solve this. And I'm seeing a lot of that here. Uh, I mean, vendors are finding out that they're getting moved through the media. This is very much being litigated through the media, whether through Taproot or through columns in the journal or other sources. Do you think we're going to reach a point where council has to step up and say, okay, adults are here. We need to sort this out now. <laughs> uh, that's a good good question. Uh, we haven't seen that yet. 
But uh, I should reach out to Scott McKean and see what he has to say about this. I mean, both locations are his ward, right? Yep. So, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that council wants to get involved in this. Maybe they would step up and say, hey, we can be the adults in the room, as you suggest. But they haven't been that involved so far. And and we should say that the, the comments or the speculation we're making about administration, like we don't know who the players are. We're trying to figure that out still, right? So whereas in those other situations, it was very clear, you know, this department or this person had made this decision for these reasons, whether they thought it was in the best interest or not, and and we could do something about that decision, right? Here, it's much more nebulous. And I suspect the reason why I haven't heard back confirming who the decision maker was on this file was because they know that there's a lot of heat now and that person's going to have some answering to do. And I think they're probably scrambling to figure out how they want to handle this. So, you know, we're talking about the market wanting to have its cake and eat it too and the debate between locations. But I think we're not underselling how much the market is required to help 104 Street. Uh. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite issue. In this right. Whole well, so and I would like to point out that what Dan Young said to Elise from the journal um, for her story on this was that they are a business and they are therefore not required to consult with the community like any other business. Um, they're actually a nonprofit. So they're not they're not a business per se. Their vendors are businesses. Absolutely. And they have businesses to run. But um you know, nonprofits are—they exist in a different space than than just your standard private business. But not all markets are nonprofits. Some are private businesses. So this is also uh, an element of the story. So the 124th Street Grand Market is a public market. That's a different distinction. Uh, what that means is essentially just a private enterprise um, that Krista runs. And, you know, that is a business. That's a really confusing naming scheme. Yes. A public market is yeah. the private one? It is a private one. Yeah. And then the Alberta approved farmers markets are the nonprofits and they get they get a lot more help from um, from the provinces legislations around it. It, it, it. There's like a lot of stuff here that I'm not going to go into because it's all legislation type stuff. But yeah, so there's two different types of markets and they can they can look very differently. But in practice, the 124th Street runs itself like a farmer's market. It follows the same sort of ethos of the 80-20 mix, which is, you know, 80% of the stuff there has to be like make it, bake it or grow it. So so local, essentially. There are three quotes that I want to share from Dan Young about about your in response to your question. So as you said, he told the journal that they have no more obligation to share plans with the 104th Street community. He then told uh, Carly Robinson, another reporter, um, that they were going to move back to 104th Street in the short term to help 104th Street businesses. Oh, there's some real like sarcastic air quotes going around there. And he told you uh, in an interview that so we thought, well, we'll come back and we'll do what we can to program that street and get it going. So in the past, I've been pretty critical of the businesses on 104th Street who have complained about the market because, you know, from from some of their points of view, the market being there is a big problem because it means people can't easily get into their business. They can't drive there. They can't park there. And I've always said, look, if you have 15 to 30,000 people outside your business every Saturday and you can't convince some of them to come in and buy something, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Right. But in this case, like this is completely inappropriate from Dan Young, I think. Like to to suggest that the market is the reason 104th Street has become the premier street downtown is just daft and is galling to me, actually. Like there are businesses like Divine Wines and Blue Plate Diner that have really done the heavy lifting here for more than a decade. And he's sort of suggesting that like all of their success and everything that's happened on the street is because of the market. Like I just, that really grinds my gears. Well, and the market's only there for one day a week. Like 
the businesses and in would the go summer. Bankrupt. Yeah. The businesses would be bankrupt if yes. the market was the only reason. And right. there were several businesses, as I reported in a Taproot story a couple of years ago on 104th Street, that sort of saw the market and saw the twinkly lights and thought, ooh, I can make so much money on market days that I can just exist there. And they failed because, you know, yeah, you make a lot of money on Saturdays in the summer when it's nice out. But the rest of the year you got to draw people in some other way. I mean, as I said, this is like a continual thread with the city market. Like they feel like they're a gift to 104th Street, the leadership does at least, without recognizing that the the reason that people love the market so much is because of that overall experience, right? And that comes from the participation of all the businesses and all the other people that come and don't actually buy food from vendors at the market. You know, there's there's a disconnect there in terms of reality and what they would like to see, I think. Moving on, what is what can we expect going forward? Because at some point, a decision has to be made. Like even all of this is temporary. What's what's the long term end game here? Yeah, that is a great question. And I think um, and I mentioned them very briefly at the beginning here. But I, I think what's the sort of underlying cause of a lot of this and a lot of these sort of hasty decisions is bountiful um, or rather the multi-day indoor permanent year round market concept that is coming to Edmonton. Uh, bountiful market is going to be the first of that kind here. It's on the south side. It's in an area completely inaccessible. Well, that's not true. Um, there is a bus stop, but it's in an industrial zone. So you got to drive to get there. They have a sea of free parking around them. And there is they're essentially like a, a Costco for farmers market. You know, you drive in from the burbs and you park for free and you go in and to this big space where there's lots of people selling lots of different stuff. And then you you buy your stuff and and you leave. And so, as I said, Calgary's got six or seven of these now. Um, not all like that exact same concept, but um, but these multi-day indoor markets. And so that's what's that's what's coming to Edmonton. That's what's here. Um, and I think that the city market is essentially trying to evolve into that. But because they're downtown um, and they're serving a very different community than Bountiful will, like I said, they're, they're kind of trying to do multiple things at once. Like they, they're in a heritage building. It's very different than a, you know, sort of industrial space on the south side. Um, so it, they, they've got a similar concept, but different in some key ways. And I think that um, it's going to be really tricky for them to figure out how to make that work in that location. But I think we're going to see more of those. I wouldn't be surprised if we see another one of those open up on the north side at some point in the next, say, five years, for sure. And with Bountiful, it's operating as a farmer's market. So it will be vendors opening up in that space? Or? Uh, yeah, it's a farmer's market. Um, but they are, there's a stage, they've got a food hall. Um, it's, it's, it's quite broad. So it's not just your standard market. There will be some outdoor vendors outside in the summer, but it's, it's an indoor market and it's for mainly for food. They're following the 80-20 mix. So mostly local food um, and artisan vendors and things like that. Um, but it's it's going to be sort of like a market as opposed to, no, it'll be a farmer's market. I'll say that. Yeah, it'll be, but but like a really big one and, and a type of market that we haven't seen in Edmonton yet. It sounds to me like we have the downtown farmer's market seeing Bountiful coming in. They're saying, oh, these guys are going, they're going to eat our lunch. So we have to become them faster than they become us. But Bountiful is not trying to be the downtown's farmer's market. Is there something being lost here where the market is forgetting what made itself popular? Yeah, I think that's I think that's it right there is that um, downtown doesn't need to compete with Bountiful per se. They're going to be on the same days. Yeah. 
um, but they're in very different communities and they're serving very different communities and different needs and things like that. There will be vendors at both because that's what vendors do. I mean, vendors open at multiple markets all over the city and province sometimes, and that's just what you do when you're a vendor. That's not not a big deal. Um, But they also are limited in their resources. And I think a lot of people are watching Bountiful closely to see um, (laughs) where it goes. And I mean, from a vendor perspective, if Bountiful does really well and they can just go to Bountiful for three days of the week and make, you know, as much money as they would make at, you know, two smaller markets, then why would they stay at the smaller markets? So I think that, I think ultimately the downtown market's going to be fine. They're going to still have a draw in whatever way, shape or form. But I think actually there's some smaller markets around town that may be feeling way more of a heat and they're, they're in no way, uh, have the capacity that, that a downtown market has, you know, to sort of compete with, with Bountiful. And, and that's, that's where we may see some fallout from Bountiful and not intentionally on their part, I'm sure. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, vendors have to make money, right? And there are simply not enough vendors to go around for the number of markets, public and farmer markets that Edmonton has. And we've seen markets, you know, touted as revitalization chess pieces almost, right? And and we don't really think about the vendors in those conversations, but the vendors will go where they're going to make money. And they're already, as you say, some from the city market that are going to join Bountiful. And and if they make more money there, that's where they'll go. And, and you know, that'll have a bigger impact on the city market than anything else. If you lose the vendors, you don't have a market. Yeah. I talked to a market manager last night and she said that if you lose one of your anchor produce vendors, that can be sort of a death spiral for a market because that's that's what the primary reason is that people go to a farmer's market. Um, and so if you lose one or even two of those key um, vendors, and there's only a handful of those, right. there's not, you know, infinite numbers of vegetable growers around, then that can be it, you know, and then just kind I of dwindles. Mean, if I'm going to a farmer's market in summer, I'm, I'm going for peaches and cherries. Like, I will pick up other stuff once I get in the market, but it's the peaches and the cherries that get so me. So you're giving door. your money to Stephen Dance then? Ah, uh, yep. That <laughs> guilty as charged. Yeah. Um, so what's next for the market? Where are we going from here? What we know is this weekend, they'll be outside the GWG building, right? On 103rd Avenue. Uh, they'll be there the, the next weekend. The weekend after that, June 15th, they're supposed to be back on 104th Street downtown. Um, as we've said, we reported on this a week ago, a few days ago, the market was on their Instagram replying to vendors saying no decision has been made yet. Stay tuned. (laughs) So the honest answer is we really don't know what the final decision is going to be here. It sounds like they'll be on 104th street on Saturdays starting June 15th, and they'll be over in the quarters on Sundays and they will continue operating in that configuration probably for the rest of the summer at some point. Um, their indoor space inside the GWG building will open. And at that point, we'll probably be having this conversation again about confusion about where to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they really got a lot of PR work to do over the summer um, because it also depends on what the city does on 104th Street. They'll, so they'll have five days to tell everyone, like vendors and the whole city, where they'll be because if the city is doing some major LRT line work, which they're going to do this summer on 102nd Avenue, then they'll have to cancel the market on the, the, on the Monday. And then the market opens on Saturday. So <laughs> they've got five days to tell everyone where, where to go. So um, I've got you both in the hot seat. The door's closed. You can't leave until I stop recording. I'm going to get the hot takes. 104 Street versus the new location. What do you prefer for the market location? We're going to go first to you, Mac. 
they should have stuck with the new location. Once they made the decision to move there, they needed to commit to it. I think it's a huge debacle that they're going to try to move back to 104th Street. I think it's the wrong decision. I know that the initial reaction from people online was more positive, right? The average market goer is like, this is great. It'll be back on 104th Street. You know, Elisa's take on this was like, we can have multiple locations. It's not a bad thing. I think that's wrong. Like they needed to commit to the new space and they need to go all in and make that the new home of the market, permanent year round, multi-day, whatever they want to do, that needs to be the home and they need to put everything behind it. And they failed to do that. And they show no sign of doing that for the rest of the summer. So I would love to have it on 104th street permanently. I live there as I've written about is one of the reasons that my wife and I moved to the street, but I get it. There's construction and other factors that make it difficult for them to be there. So I'd rather see them commit to that new home and make it very, very successful for the market and the vendors rather than this confusing mess we're in. So Mac unfortunately gave us a reasonable response. Do you have something more unreasonable, Mel? No, that's that's pretty much my my take as well. Yeah, is that I think they should have stuck with the new location. And it basically by by coming back to 104th Street. Um, and kind of really changing their tune over the from what they said two months earlier, it kind of makes it sound like, you know, our new home is going to be so good, but 104th Street's better. But yeah. I mean, like our new home <laughs> will be so good, but like we wish we could stay on 104th Street, which just doesn't send a very good message to anybody. This is very much an ongoing saga. I'm sure you will hear more about it in future episodes and in the news as they litigate and decide. Uh, for the best coverage of the market, subscribe to Taproot Edmonton and you can read Mel's excellent reporting. We want to talk to you briefly about the Alberta Podcast Network, which is full of interesting Albertans and some of them do events all the time. Mac, what what events does APN want to share with you? There are a few things coming up that podcasters are doing. So Linda Huang of Don't Call Me a Guru is hosting the Edmonton International Cat Festival again this year. It's on Saturday, June 1st. So the day after our show comes out, uh, tickets are $15 and it's over at McEwen. Uh, the Edmonton Community Foundation, which we've talked about many times, hosts the Well Endowed podcast, and their AGM is coming up on June 12th. And hockey player Jordan Tutu is speaking about community building. So that looks kind of interesting. And Troy, you are speaking at Pecha Kucha Night 34 on June 13th. What are you speaking about? I'm speaking about don't run for public office. Uh, I've talked about this before. I know that Edmonton Next Gen thinks it's a satire talk, and oh boy, are they in for a surprise. You want to be, you want to be there. Don't miss it. Uh, finally, Pod Summit is taking place again this year, this time in Calgary. That's on June 22nd if you want to make the trip down. And you can find all of these events, links to them, and other events as well at albertapodcastnetwork.com slash events. And that's all for this week. A big thanks to Mel for joining us again. Um, I know it can be taxing to come into a room with Troy and Mac. We're not the most pleasurable people to be around, as you well know, city councilor and administration. We hear your feedback. But thanks for coming. It was really great having you here. Thanks for having me. And until next time, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And I'm Mel. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.